Well, good morning, Velocity Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Oh, I love it. Most of the time, I just get silence, and so it's good, good to hear your voices. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. How many of you guys are praying that the Patriots will lose this one? Me. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. So maybe if you come to the prayer night tonight, maybe that's something you can pray for. Um, but like Rob said, uh, my name is Dominic. I'm a Velocity person, um, as, as he eloquently put. Um, and, and I get the privilege of starting off a new series for you guys. Uh, it's called Overcome. And we're looking at the life of a man named Joseph. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Joseph. Maybe the only uh, experience that you've had is Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat. Um, but even if, if you haven't, we're going to look at, uh, at the stories of Joseph's life and, and how we can relate to that in, uh, in our own lives. And today we're talking about adversity um, and plans and purpose and the purpose that God has for each one of us here today. And we're going to look at uh, the story when Joseph faced adversity, uh, when he gets thrown into a pit by his own brothers. And, and I don't know, uh, again, if you've ever had plans, but I've had plans before. And, and plans don't always uh, go as planned, right? Like you plan to go uh, to the grocery store uh, and then all of a sudden your car breaks down or you plan to be here a couple weeks ago and then it snows and church is canceled. Uh, plans sometimes don't go as planned. And a lot of times things happen in our lives that we don't plan for, things like cancer and depression and all these different things. And so today we're going to talk about that. Uh, and one of the things, I don't know about you, again, I, one of the things I like to do is I like to dream. Uh, I like to dream, uh, daydream. Uh, I'd say like 75% of my high school career was spent daydreaming. And I, I enjoyed it. Um, I did learn some things. Um, and I, I also have a lot of crazy dreams at night. Um, one of the things I like to do is like I wake up and write my dreams down. And one of the dreams that I had was uh, one time me and my friends from college were watching uh, Ocean's Eleven. And so I had a dream and we were all getting ready to, you know, rob a bank for good reasons, not like just for no reason at all. Um, but, so we get ready and everything's going, um, but my friend somehow got a car with no tires. And so when we go to leave, there are no tires on the car. So it's not going anywhere. And we're wondering why it's not going anywhere uh, because it has no tires and we start yelling at him. And then I woke up and said, whoa, wow. I don't know if God's trying to tell me something there. But we find Joseph in a similar situation. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 37. We find Joseph in a similar situation where, where Joseph has a dream. Joseph, I would say, is a dreamer. Uh, he has big dreams. And one of the dreams he has, he tells uh, to his brothers, and uh, looking at verse 5, he says this. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, here is this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are indeed you to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Again, you might not have ever heard of, of Joseph, but a little context on who he is. Joseph is the young son of a man named Jacob. 
Um, and, and it's weird in the dynamic of ancient Hebrew families, uh, it was very rare that the young son would be as favored as Joseph was. Um, Jacob constantly says, you know, like, this is my favorite son. Like, I don't know if you have kids and tell your other children, you're my favorite, but that's basically what Jacob does. He says, Joseph, you are my favorite. I'm even going to give you this really fancy coat, uh, and, and you're going to go around, and, and your brothers are going to you know, know that you're my favorite. And, and so Joseph is already favored by his father, Jacob. And so uh, when, when you guys have younger, younger siblings, uh, maybe you've heard them say stuff like that. They, they know they're favored. And so they'll say something like that. Like when you hear about Joseph's dream and Joseph saying, hey, brothers, you're going to bow down to me. Some of you are like, yeah, that sounds like my younger brother. Or, or maybe some of you are the younger brother and, and, and you, you're saying, good for Joseph, you know, good for the little guy. That's good for him. I, and again, I don't know um, your background or anything, but Joseph's dream is basically just saying that, hey, you guys, you're going to bow down to me. The younger is, is going to be served by the older. And, and again, we, we can't really fully understand how, how odd this is, the audacity that Joseph would have to have to, to tell his brothers this. Because again, in the dynamic of the Hebrew family, the younger w- was not the favored. It would have been the older one who was the favored. In this case, it would have been a man named Reuben. But, but Jacob, jo- Joseph is still favored by Jacob. And we keep reading, jo- Joseph goes a step further. Um, and again, some of you parents might like get really angry at Joseph here. But picking up in verse 9, Joseph says... Or the Bible says, Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers. And he said, Behold, I have had another dream. <laughs> Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to you to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the saying in his mind. Again, sometimes your plans don't work out and your papers just fall everywhere. <laughs> plans don't work out all the time. So again, I, like, if Joseph was my, my son and, and he came and said this, Hey, Dad, you're going to bow down to me. I said, Joseph, you better watch your mouth. Stay in your lane, Joseph. <laughs> my gosh. Like, for a lot of you, that would have been the end for that kid. Like, you're about to go meet Jesus. And, and so Joseph says to his dad, hey, even you're going to bow down to me. But what no one understands, what Jacob doesn't understand, what his brothers don't understand, is that God is giving Joseph a purpose. God is giving Joseph a purpose for his life. And, and for me, like, I, again, I don't know if maybe you've had plans. Maybe you've, you've had plans for a long time since you were a kid. I've had plans since about middle school. Like, I had my life planned out. Uh, it obviously didn't work because I should be married by now, but I'm not. Um, but, but so we have these plans, and they don't go as planned. And a lot of times we get really obsessed with our plans. 
We get so obsessed and we focus on everything going right in our lives that the second something goes wrong, everything is ruined. And we get so obsessed with our plans that we forget that God has a purpose for us. That even when things don't go as planned, God has purpose for us. And the difference between our plans and God's purpose for us is that our plans can be thwarted. Our plans can go wrong. But the truth is that God's purpose for you and for me never fails. That God's purpose for you and I can never fail because of who God is. And what is our purpose that God gives us? Well, we find it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says this. Uh, he says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whether you watch the Super Bowl, whether you're in traffic, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. That's our purpose. Our purpose is to glorify God whatever we're doing. And would that, would that speak to your life? Does that speak of, of what your plans, do your plans look like that? Like whatever you've been doing, have you been glorifying God? And a lot of times, unless you're going to Chick-fil-A, it's kind of hard to eat and drink for the glory of God. <laughs> but that's God's purpose for us. And when we get so focused on our plans, we, we, we fail to recognize God's purpose. And our plans can be thwarted, but God's purpose, we need to remember that God's purpose never fails. And we keep reading, Joseph is sent to go find his brothers. His brothers have been working in a field, and Joseph is sent by his father Jacob uh, to find his brothers. And we pick up in verse 16. Joseph says, I am seeking my brothers. He said, tell me, please, where are they? Are they pasturing the flock? And the man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then they will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of the hands, saying, let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, shed no blood. Throw him into the pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore to his father. So when we're looking at our plans and purpose, and plans not going right, and things going crazy, we have to look at where does adversity come from? Where do our plans go wrong? In the first place we see uh, that plans go wrong is from the fact that we live in a broken world. That when Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning, it sent like a tidal wave of natural disasters, of disease, of hurt throughout the entire span of human history. We live in a broken world. We face things like cancer. We face things like envy. We face things like jealousy and anger, murder, all these different things because we live in a broken world. World And a lot of times we find our plans to be thwarted by this. We, we, we get that promotion and so our coworkers are envious of us and so they start to plan how we can be taken down 
or you, you're having uh, just family time and you're enjoying spending time with your family, and all of a sudden you get the news that, that you have cancer, or maybe you've been trying to start a family, and, and your plan was to have a child by now, and you still don't. And the doctors say that there's nothing that can be done. We live in a broken world, and that's where our plans are thwarted. By the fact that people are hurting, people are broken. And this world is hurting, and this world is broken. And so we have to live in a world where our plans will be thwarted by the fact that we just live in this world. So where does adversity come from? It comes from living in a broken world. The next place it comes from, ultimately, it comes from the enemy. You know, I know, I know a lot of Christians who, um, like, stuff will go, go bad in their lives, and you're like, well, that's just life, you know. Thing, things go bad, you know. Um, you know, bad luck and all, all that, bad karma, stuff like that. When, when in actuality, we, the reality is that there is an enemy. That's Satan exists, that he is actively trying to thwart our plans and keep us from God's purpose in our lives. And it's crazy to me to think that Christians would deny that. And Christians would deny that Satan is even around when Jesus said that Satan is like a prowling lion looking for someone to devour. And when he's looking for someone to devour, like he's hungry. And so he's looking for each one of us. And so Satan thwarts our plans. It might not seem like a lot, a big thing. It can be something as simple as you blowing up over something that isn't that big of a deal. Or it could be something as a flat tire. It could be something as simple as your friend getting a car with no tires. Satan is real. Satan is active. And when we deny that, when we don't even acknowledge that he exists, that he's actively trying to thwart our plans, then we don't fight him. We don't actively stand against him. And we don't, when we don't actively stand against him, then we lose the battle. Then not only are our plans thwarted, but ultimately God's purpose for us. It may not fail, but, but we might be far from it. When Satan is active in our lives, Glorifying God isn't our priority. We are. And so the enemy brings adversity into our lives. And once we acknowledge that, we can move forward with our plans and God's purpose for us. And so keep reading with me. In verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe the robe of many colors that he wore. They took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. They sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing gum balm and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And then they took Joseph to Egypt. 
So in this portion of the story, Joseph is in a pit. His brothers thrown him into a pit. And again, your plans might be in the pit. You might be in a pit of depression, a pit of, of cancer, of, of homelessness, of unemployment. Your plans might be in the pit. Joseph's plans look like they're in the pit. But when it seems like Joseph's plans are in the pit, when it seems like joblessness, homelessness, uh, childlessness, death, all these different things, when, when these things don't go as planned, we need to trust that God has our purposes well in hand. I don't know if, if you've ever been in, in a kind of pit or your plans have just been messed up, but it is hard to believe that God has any purpose for you in those moments. It's hard to believe that God even cares about you in those moments. For me, it was hard to believe that God cared about me in moments when my plans didn't go right. And maybe you're like me. Maybe, maybe you came into 2019 just hoping that this year was going to be maybe a little bit better than last year. Maybe you were hoping that, that you know, 2019 it was going to be your year. And we're a month into it, and 2019 is already off to an awful year. Your plans are already messed up. 2019 is not the year for you. Maybe 2020 will be it, but 2019 isn't it. See? 2019 isn't it. But for me... And I don't make New Year's resolutions or anything like that. For me, coming into 2019, here's what I, what I want to do. What I want to get better at is believing that even in the worst of circumstances, God is still good and his purpose is still good. One of the hardest things I've ever had to pray, it always for some reason makes me cry, but is praying, God, I know you're still good. Because the truth is, God doesn't seem good when our plans don't go right, when things happen to us, when bad things happen. God does not seem good. And it's hard to trust that, that God has purpose for us, that God has a plan for us, that God has anything for us. When adversity hits, and that's why I want to get better at believing that God is still good. Because when we trust that God is still good, then we can stand against adversity. When we believe that God is still good and his purpose is still good, that it doesn't matter what happens. That, that God still has us in his hands. You know, he's got the whole world in his hands. I mean, we sing that, but that's the truth. The truth is that God has everything in his hands, that whatever you're going through, whether, whether it be cancer, whether it be homelessness, God's got you. God is still good. So how do we, how do we live that out? How do we actually live that out? And I just want to give three quick ways uh, that we can live this out. We, we can live this, this idea of God still being good out in our lives. The first is this, uh, be prepared 
for the pit. Um, Jesus said uh, in John 16, 33, he says, Be of good cheer. Uh, in this world, you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Uh, Jesus didn't say, you might have trouble. You maybe will have trouble. You might go through something, but, you know, it's 50-50. He said, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. So we can be prepared for the pit. We can actively prepare our hearts and our minds, and we can actively remind ourselves of the truth in Scripture, that, that God is still good, that God is still for us and not against us, that we actually would believe that the Bible says that. When it says that, it's not just saying stuff. It's not just positive thinking. It's not just, you know, self-help. But when the Bible says that if God is for us, who can be against us? That is truth, that, that no matter what happens, when we're prepared for the pit, we can stand on the truth that God is good. So we can prepare for the pit. The next one is be patient in the pit. Uh, now, you can put me in traffic. Like, you just go on 64, and, and I, can, I can manage um, like I'm, you know, I'm kind of happy, you know, I'll turn up the radio and, and I'll, I'll manage. But if you ask me to wait on my plan, like if you ask me, like if I have plans and you ask me to wait, I'm, I'm a whole other person. I am, I'm not a nice person, I should add. Um, like if you, if you're tardy, like you should be 15 minutes early to be on time, Right. But if, you're, if you actively ask me to wait, I'm not a nice person. And so when God asks me to wait on my plans, when God says not yet, that, that stinks. Especially when it's something like depression. Especially when it's something like cancer. When it's something like death. When, when it's something that rocks our world and God says, I want you to wait. I want you to be patient. James uh, says this, that, that uh, we should rejoice when we face trials of many kind because that rejoicing makes us perfect. It makes us whole. It makes us who God wants us to be. That when God is asking us to be patient, it's not because he's waiting for something to be right. It's not that he's waiting for, you know, for us to, to get everything straight. He's waiting so that we can we can be perfect, that we can be mature and complete in him. So we wait in the pit. We're patient in the pit. And we trust that even while we're in the pit, God still has us. So we're prepared, we're patient in the pit. And last one, I wanted to stay with the P's. Uh, so I said praise in and out of the pit. Now, if you trust somebody, like if I trusted my mom 99% of the time, I don't trust her. In the same way, if you worship and praise God 99% of the time, and that 1% when you are in the pit, you're not praising him, then you don't really worship God, and you don't really have faith. You need faith in and out of the pit. And it's the hardest thing. It really is the hardest thing. Like, I, I don't claim to understand everything that everyone's going through, but what I do understand is how hard it is to praise God when you are in the lowest place, when you are in the deepest valley, when you are 
when your plans are thwarted and everything is going wrong, it is hard to praise God. It's really hard to say. The reason I cry all the time when I say that God is still good is because it's hard to believe that. But we need to praise in and out of the pit. And, and it might seem like, like Joseph's story ends in the pit. It might seem like your story is ending in the pit. But Joseph's story doesn't end in the pit. Joseph's story doesn't end with him being sold into slavery in Egypt. Joseph's story ends with him only being second to Pharaoh. Now that's Joseph's story. But that can be our story too. If we trust that even when our plans go haywire, when we trust that God has his purposes well, our purposes well in hand, then we're going to see his plan and our plans completely change and be greater than anything we could ever imagine, greater than anything we could ever think of. That we need to trust that God has our purposes well in hand. That his purpose to glorify himself, that we should bring God glory, is well in hand. Our plan, or his purpose, should dictate our plans. And when we do that, we find the balance that God wants for our lives. And, and I want to just, you know, church should be the place where we're honest. And, and I want to be honest with you guys. But this past season of my life has been hell. Like, I would wake up and not have a plan for anything. I would wake up and feel like I have no purpose. And some of you have been there. Some of you know what I'm talking about, and you know where, where that leads you, because it leads you to a dark place. It leads you to a really dark place, and so for, for the last semester, it's just waking up, not having a plan, not having a purpose, not really knowing where to go or what to do. And then this past season, I also got the chance to go to a thing called Passion. And it was crazy because I thought, you know, I started to have an actual plan. I started to have things kind of going, going right. And then I get a text while I'm at Passion that your th plans just got thwarted. Things didn't go as I planned. But the crazy thing was just the atmosphere being there. And the song we sang next was a song called Bigger Than I Thought. And one of the lyrics um, was, was just that, you know, be my voice when, when the silence stills me. God, you're bigger than I thought you were. Like just believing that God is bigger than, than we think we could ever imagine, that God has everything in his hands. I couldn't help but just not focus on, on anything except that. I couldn't help but worship God in that moment. So when your plans are thwarted, when our lives don't go as planned, trust that God has everything in his hand, that when adversity comes, God's got you. Again, this isn't just positive thinking. This, this is something that we believe with all our hearts, that God has everything in control. And then when we can do that, we can stand. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being so much greater than we could ever think. God, thank you for your purpose for us that when we 
dictate our plans by your purpose, God, then you, you hold us. God, that even in the pit, even in the worst of circumstances, God, you, you are still with us and you are still for us and not against us, God. Father, thank you for the words of scripture, God, for the truth that you speak to us, even in the midst of, of things like cancer and things like depression, God. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.